0: Hallelujah. I discern a special presence of the Lord in this place this morning, so I'm just going to go ahead and open up in prayer. Father in heaven, I yield myself unto you. This jar of clay. Lord, let this treasure of your Holy Spirit flow through me this morning. Father, I I offer up this message to you as an offering, Lord. I preach as unto the Lord. God, I pray that you just take my, take my inadequacy, Lord. Take my weakness. Take my feebleness, God. For in, in my weakness, Lord, your power is made manifest, Lord. I humble myself before you. I acknowledge apart from you I can do nothing. I worship you in the assembly of my brothers and my sisters, in the presence of God and the holy angels. Lord, may this entire gathering of worship today, from start to finish, be pleasing in your sight, Lord. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I ask this in the name of the risen Christ Jesus of Nazareth. And all God's people said, Amen. We will talk to you about resurrection, so if you would, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. And I uh, want to thank those who are listening on the FM transmitter and those who are watching on Facebook. We, we welcome you and we, uh, it's our joy to share the gospel with you. And we just, uh, we love you and we appreciate you. I thank you always for your prayers and your support. As we look in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 again, we're going to be talking about resurrection. And I'm going to read some statistics for you as you're turning there. I jotted these down before service. And by the way, these these facts are are not from uh, religious news sources. These are from secular sources, so there's no reason for the data to be skewed uh, in favor of faith or religion or anything. Um, There's almost 8 billion people on the planet. We're approaching 8 billion people on planet Earth approximately 30% profess to be Christian. Now, I say profess to be because that number includes all kinds of fringe groups, which I don't even, uh, they're aberrant uh, cultic groups. Basically, anything that has Jesus associated with it, they call that Christian. And if you know your Bible, you know that among the professing church, there are those who are truly saved. And so that 30% of 8 billion is probably significantly lower uh, if if we're being conservative if we're being honest so that means let's just say conservatively speaking let's err on the side of caution let's say that there are 30 percent christians in the world that means 70 percent of the earth's population is on its way to hell and eventually the lake of fire seven out of ten people are on their way to hell right now If that doesn't shake you to the core, I don't know what will. Let me give you some more statistics. There's 8 billion billion people in the world. On average, there's 56 million deaths a year. That averages out to about 150,000 people a day. That's not counting the over 50 million abortions that take place globally because the World Health Organization and the CDC do not acknowledge unborn children as legitimate persons. They're just simply fetuses in the eyes of science. And the CDC and the World Health Organization will tell you that, uh, that heart disease is the leading cause of death in, in America, but it's not, it's abortion. is the leading cause of death. And I would challenge e- any one of you who thinks that a, a baby's not? I didn't intend to preach along these lines, but I'm just you know giving what God has given me. Anybody that doesn't think a baby is is, is uh, alive and real inside of a mother's womb, I got a a, a 4D uh, ultrasound that my daughter had that'll that'll speak to the contrary. Those eyes are formed, the heart's beating strong. And, uh, Case is my grandson's name, and he's very much a person, even though he's not come into this world yet he's alive he's he's been knit together in abby's womb he's been curiously wrought in the secret places by the hand of god fearfully and wonderfully made and he's going to be here tomorrow by the way just thought i'd throw that in there not that we're excited or anything right leanne 3,000 of those abortions happen in the U.S. daily. 22% of all pregnancies end in abortion in the United States. And again, these numbers are skewed, but I want to offer you some perspective here. And I'm not speaking along political lines. I'm not talking about liberal and conservative. This is just scientific data. Don't they always tell us to follow the science, listen to the science? 8 billion people in the world, 7 out of 10 are on their way to hell right now and we're arguing about the color of the carpet or, you know, or, or who's going to get our seat in church or who's going to get our parking place or some kind of foolishness such as that. Let's go to the first slide. Now, the oldest book of the Bible is not Genesis. It's Job. They believe Job lived among the patriarchs uh, in, in the time of Abraham and, uh, and such. And Job asked that great existential question that we all want to know, why am I here? Uh, Was I created for a purpose? Is there life after death? Is there more to life than this? Job says, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change comes. But then around that 19th chapter, the Holy Spirit illuminates Job, and he answers his own question. Notice what he says. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Jesus is alive. Easter Sunday started a whole new era. It was a game changer. I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at the latter day where? On the earth. See, a lot of us don't, don't even want to talk about the resurrection because all of us, we, we think about heaven as some faraway place, and we think about floating on a cloud. We, we have been so influenced by the Greek philosophy, we don't even know it, that we have this unbiblical idea about what resurrection is all about. Jesus did not come and die on a cross, on this earth, by the way, so that you and I could float through heaven playing a harp all day long. He just didn't do it. And we'll talk about that more. And though, after my skin were destroyed this body, that's after death and decomposition. I'm going to use some big words today decomposition is not that big of a word but stick around (laughs) yet in my flesh Job says I'll see God where in a body in a body now this is a man lived thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago before Christ ever came lived became flesh and died and Job knew it let's go to the next slide now you read about Paul in Greece in uh, Acts 17, it's a marvelous, marvelous chapter. He goes to uh, Mars Hill, he goes to the Areopagus, and here is the pinnacle of the philosophies of the ancient world. They all, it's kind of the, uh, the mecca of the religious universe. The pantheon of gods are there in Athens, Greece. And it says there were certain Epicureans and Stoics, by the way, their philosophies are still alive and well today. You can research that on your own, I won't go into it today. Because for our purposes, I'm not so much as interested in what they did believe as what they didn't believe. And I I underline here for emphasis in case you're wondering what they didn't believe in. They did not believe in a bodily resurrection. The Greek philosophers, most of the Greek culture considered, had a very low view of the body, that the body in their mind was a prison for the soul. And at death, it was a great release and uh, we would become one with the universe. Our, our subatomic particles would, uh, would dissolve and become one with, with whatever, the source. Now, as long as Paul was quoting Greek philosophy, and by the way, uh, and you read Acts chapter 17, Paul does quote Greek philosophers there. That's why sometimes I'll quote from good songs, good country music and good movies and stuff. Because to be a Christian doesn't mean that you retreat from the outside world. Now, you need to be careful what you watch. Don't listen to filth and watch garbage. You know? But we don't retreat. We're in the world, but not of the world. And, and if you don't know anything about the culture, how in the world are you ever going to relate to somebody? If you don't know anything about the world, how are you going to witness to your friend uh, about Jesus Christ? But as soon as Paul started preaching about resurrection, as you can see, they turned him off. They were willing to entertain him as long as he was waxing philosophical. But as soon as Paul started talking about Jesus Christ came out of the tomb in a resurrected body, they're like, we don't want to hear any more of this. Uh, this is, the, the NIV said, doesn't say that they mocked, it says that they sneered at him. They laughed him out of town. But to Paul's credit, Paul didn't acquiesce to their uh, false view. Of resurrection that's why when Paul gets to the Corinthians and he, pre- he was there 18 months preaching to these people and he said when I was there among you I determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified see and a lot of churches they want a preacher to stand up and, and wax eloquent and to tickle ears and to, and to get real philosophical and to give us practical nuggets, uh, nuggets kingdom concepts but the most important thing that any preacher can preach is that God became a man. He died on a cross for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried in a tomb, and he was there. And he came out of the tomb in a physical, resurrected, tangible body. And I don't care how silly that sounds to the Greek philosopher or to your coworker, or to your neighbor. And believe me, it does sound foolish to them some of us we haven't been involved in society for so long we don't understand that if you set foot on a campus a university campus today and you start talking about that you believe in the resurrection of the dead and that jesus is alive they will lap you to scorn that's the world that our kids are growing up in you say well henry why are you getting all upset about it?" because we as christians have got to train our young people because i can promise you when they get out there on that college campus and even a sem- even seminaries It's not even Christian schools are safe anymore. Let's go on to the next slide, please. So, we're in 1 Corinthians 15. So let's look at some of the implications if there's no resurrection. Now, in verse 12, hopefully you're there. Paul says, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Notice the play on words from the dead and of the dead. They are two different things. Christ was raised from among other dead people who are still dead, by the way. Buddha's still in his tomb. Muhammad's still in his tomb. All the philosophers of the ancient world are still in their tombs. Christ was raised from among the dead. And then he speaks of the general resurrection. How say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? This is the greater picture, the big picture. This is the one we're concerned with, you see. Now, last week, he's already went through the, the gospel that they had both heard, they had received, they were standing on it, and they were saved, right? Is that what we studied last week? Nod your head, it'll help the blood flow. You can stay awake, and you can, you know, you can make it till we get to the steakhouse or wherever you're going <clears throat> after this. He says, look, guys, let's consider the implications of the if, the, if there's no resurrection. I, I like to do that when I'm, Whenever I'm talking to somebody and they've got some absurd position, I say, let's just go through all of the implications of what you believe. You know, If you believe this, let's logically look through and see what the net result would be. Well, number one, uh, he said, then Jesus wouldn't be arisen. Okay? If there's no resurrection, then Jesus didn't come out of the grave. And if he didn't come out of the grave, then they've been believe- they believed a lie. Their faith is vain or empty. Notice all the ifs there. He's going through the contingencies. And if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching vain? It's empty. And your faith is also vain. It's a big waste of time. If if all of this is nothing but a lie, it's a huge waste of time. What's the next verse say? Yes, and also we're charlatans. He said we're found false witnesses of God. We're a bunch of liars. Now, that's not to say that some preachers might not be <laughs> liars. I knew one guy, he would, he would lie and he had a poker tail. Anytime he was getting ready to lie, he would say, well, to be honest with you. And if you ever said, well, to be honest with you, you knew what would follow would be a lie. We're false witnesses because we've witnessed that God raised him up. And if God didn't do it, then we're all a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Okay? And think about it. It's not just one person. What did we learn last week? How many people saw Jesus in a resurrected body? Over, over 500 people. Verse 16, For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. He goes, again, he, he hammers the point home. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain. And here's the real biggie. You're lost. You're still in your sin. That's why I put two two scriptures up here from Romans. Here's the implication here. Paul says Jesus was delivered for our offenses, and he was raised again for our justification. A dead Savior is no Savior at all. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. much more being reconciled, we'll be saved by what? His life, because He's alive. See, this is where the festivals of the Lord come into play. The Passover lamb, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. If Jesus' is perfect sacrifice, that's how we know God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. It's because He came out of the tomb. If Jesus had not... Remember the story of the high priest? When the high priest would go in, uh, he would go into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. How did they know if the sacrifice was accepted? He came out, right? And they had a rope tied around him. And if he, if he stumbled in the presence of God, if he did something wrong, he would die. And they would have to, you know, yank him out. The emergence of the high priest from the Holy of Holies was evidence that the sacrifice had been accepted. So when Christ came out of that tomb, that was God saying, I have received the blood of my son in whom I am well pleased that sinless Christ who is tempted in every point just like you and me, but never sinned, I am accepted with his his sacrifice. As the great theologian Louis Sperry Chafer once said to his seminary students, Beloved, God is satisfied. God is satisfied. You know why? Because of the death of his son. And every time he sees you, if you're a believer in Christ, he doesn't see you, he sees the blood of his son. And that's why we can come boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy. That's why you don't have to live in condemnation, folks. That's why you don't have to let sin keep you out of church. That's why you don't have to let sin and and, and iniquity keep you from praying. Because the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father. And we can go to Him because He's perfect. And because He can sympathize with our weaknesses. Oh, y'all don't believe it or you'd be shouting right now. That's all right. Maybe I can work you into a shout before we're over with. Now, what, what, what's the next implication? Verse 18. Then, then also the people who have died, the, the Christians who have died heretofore, they're lost. They're gone forever. They're gone forever. The worst thing in the world for me to do is the funeral of a lost person. It's not the funeral of a child. That's tragic. But the most tragic thing of all is to do the funeral of a lost person. Because what hope can I offer? What hope can I offer? I can try to offer some comfort. But what do I say to a family member? I want you to think about this. I try to to get this across every time I preach a funeral. If this person is a believer, if you ever want to see them again, the only way you're going to see them again is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The only way you'll see your wife and your children again in the next life is if you know Jesus Christ, considering they're they're believers. That's the only way. Verse 19, he says, if in this life, in other words, if this is all there is, the King James says we're of all most miserable. Some translations will say we are to be pitied. We're the most pitiful bunch of people. Why? Because we're celebrating a dead savior. Singing about a heaven we'll never go to and about a kingdom we'll never experience. Let's go to the next slide. All of those were hypotheticals. What if, 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 if? But here's reality reality is, verse 20, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. (laughs) So our condition is not hopeless. Our condition is not hopeless. We, now Christ is risen from the dead, and he's become the first fruits. Now, I've gotten the notes here from the Feast of the Lord, Leviticus 23. Don't turn there right now. Now, interestingly, interestingly enough, Paul doesn't go into the specifics of the Feast of First Fruits here, and I'm not going to either. But he had spent 18 months with them, and don't think for a minute that Paul hadn't walked them all through the Old Testament. But the, the, the festival of firstfruits... It celebrated the first of the harvest. They would bring in the sheaf and bring it to the priest. And the priest would offer it before the Lord. And it was a dedication of the first fruits of the harvest, guaranteeing, this is a big point here, guaranteeing a future crop, a future harvest. So when Jesus died and rose again, It was the start of something good. It was the start of something great. Now, Paul's going to contrast Adam with Paul. And we, we went through Romans, Romans 5. Now, here's the thing, verse 21. This is why it had to be the way it, the way it is. He says, Since man, by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. The reason... We have the problem that we have in this world is because of a man. His name was Adam. He was our first father. And he was created in the image of God. And and God intended for him to have dominion over everything. God intended for mankind to rule the world, to have dominion. And Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, the Bible says that death came into the world. No one can escape this fact, no one. Now, I don't don't want my kids to dwell on this. That baby's gonna be born tomorrow, my grandson. But that baby's gonna come into the world with an expiration date. I mean, that's the truth. His beautiful face is gonna shine and his mom and daddy are gonna be the happiest people on the face of the earth next to the grandparents. But he's gonna come into this world in a fallen world with an expiration date we all do and that's why my friend that's why death has such a stranglehold and fear on the public is because we know instinctively that we have an expiration date now since by man came death by man came also the resurrection Jesus was fully human He was fully God, but he was fully man. Jesus ate. Jesus got tired. Jesus slept. He experienced the full range of emotions that we do. And the book of Hebrews says he was tempted in every way, just like we are. There's a person in heaven. There's a man in heaven right now. His name is Jesus. And he knows what it's like to be you. (laughs) Have you ever felt that way or thought this in your mind? Nobody knows what I'm feeling right now. We can all feel that way when we get discouraged or depressed, isolated. By the way, when you're, in, when you're going through a dark time, the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself. You need your friends. You need your church family. The, the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself. But, but when you get along with your thoughts, like King David did, remember? He said, I'll perish one day by the hand of Saul. Where did that come from? We can have that kind of stinking thinking too. But God is for us. Whenever you start thinking these thoughts, understand God loves you. There's God went to great lengths to save your soul, to deliver you. You are precious in His sight. And He knows, listen, your friend might not understand you, your spouse may not understand you, your kids may not understand you, but I can promise you there is one in heaven who understands you perfectly because He was a human being. I love that scripture where Jesus said even the very hairs of your head have been numbered. And mine are fewer than they used to be. And they're grayer. I've started praying the thinner's prayer. Not the sinner's prayer, but the thinner's prayer. Remember when Jesus said to that, 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 that person that, was, that had been healed, he said, go your way and sin no more. I said, grow your way and thin no more. It's not working, though. I I must not have enough faith. I don't know what's happening. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, this is not teaching universalism, by the way. He's talking to Christians. So the assumption here is he's talking to people who, who know the Lord. Now, verse 23 is interesting. And here's where you get your Greek primer for the week. I know you look forward to it. You're building a Greek vocabulary one word at a time. This word is, the King James translates order. Some translations will say rank. Greek word is tagma. And it, it speaks of a, it's a military term, but it speaks of a sequential uh, order of events. But here's the good news. The resurrection has already started. See, resurrection encompasses, there's several orders of the resurrection. That's another sermon for another time. Tribulation saints, Old Testament saints, raptured saints, so on and so forth. Paul doesn't get into all that. Paul is not going to satisfy all of our eschatological curiosity. That means how the end times all play out. I told you I was going to use some big words today. I was full of myself. He's not going to satisfy all of our eschatological curiosity here. And we would be wise to do the same and not try to act like we know everything about how the end times are going to play out. Because we don't. But the plan is already in motion. See, the first order or the first fruits has already taken place when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. See, John emphasizes in that 20th chapter that it was on the first day of the week, first fruits, that Christ came from the dead. And remember when he appeared to Mary Magdala from, from Magdala? Mary Magdalene and she didn't recognize him do you remember what she thought Jesus was who she thought he was say it louder that's interesting to me she thought Jesus was the gardener well that was an appropriate mistake because the first man Adam he blew it where? in a garden now the new Adam, the last Adam, Christ, is going to fix everything that Adam broke. And as in an Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. <laughs> See, those little details in the Bible, they're not just random things there. <laughs> Every man in his own order. Christ the fruits, afterward they that are Christ that is coming. Then comes the end. When he shall deliver up the kingdom to the Father, even God the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign. That's the title of my message today. I didn't give it to you at the beginning. He must reign. Jesus Christ is reigning right now. He's a ruler. He is now at the right hand of the Father. And he is ruling and reigning. You ever read that curious scripture in Matthew 28? Jesus' last words before he ascends to heaven. He says, all power is given to me in heaven and... Curious statement, isn't it? He's in heaven right now. And we're quite content for Jesus to have all authority in heaven. But he says it's not only in heaven, but it's in the earth. How could that be? Look around. If you're saved this morning, you are members of the kingdom of God now. Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God and the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. That's the Sermon on the Mount working out, my friend. That's that's you and me being the salt of the earth and being the light of the world and loving our neighbor and praying for our enemies. Don't you hate it that Jesus told us to do that? To pray for those who are despicable, who despitefully use you. That is the kingdom on earth as well as in heaven. That's Christ's power. I quoted this earlier from 2 Corinthians, the thorn in the flesh Paul says, I'm I'm, I'm glad that I have weakness because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Jesus said, my strength, my power is manifested in you through your weakness. He must reign until he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy, verse 26, that shall be destroyed is death. One day there's going to be a funeral for death. It's amazing. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. In other words, God the Father. The Son will be subject to the Father. Now, it doesn't mean that Son is inferior to the Father. They're different, but the Son will be subject unto the Father. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subjected unto him, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. All right, hold your place there and go with me to Hebrews 2. Really quick, Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, verse 5. It says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, wherever we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? He's quoting from the Psalms. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor. And didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Can I get a big amen on that? You know, stay here in Hebrews. But the world is clamoring. What's the buzzword for today? If I hear it once, I hear it a thousand times a week. Social justice. That's the buzzword. You hear it all the time, social justice. And listen, I am all for treating everyone with respect and dignity because every human being is created in the image of God. Every life. I don't care what race you are. But I'm going to tell you this. All of the political strategies and all of the think tanks in the world will not solve the problem of inequality and injustice because the number one problem is not the color of a person's skin, it's the sin in their heart, And that will not be abolished until Jesus Christ returns again and we are living on this earth in a resurrected body. That's the truth. All right. But we see Jesus, he says in verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. That's what he did, by the way. His death was a vicarious death. He bore the wrath of God on Calvary's cross. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. This word perfect means complete. It didn't mean that he was morally uh, imperfect in any way. For both he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus Christ is going to call you and I his brothers or sisters in the kingdom of God. We're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren in the midst of the church while I sing praise unto thee. What a glorious day that's going to be when we worship God along with Jesus Christ. And again, I will put my trusted him and again behold I and the children which God has given me do you realize you're a gift to the father you're a gift to Jesus Christ I don't have time to develop all of that but in John's gospel Jesus repeatedly talks about those whom thou has given me if you're a believer you're a gift to the son and the whole analogy here is the, is the ancient Jewish wedding where the, the arranged marriage the father picks out a bride uh, for his son it's an arranged marriage verse 14 this is This is so crucial. Are you still tracking with me here, Hebrews 2? All right, thank you. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Jesus did not come to earth as an angel or a spirit being. He came to earth as a human being. Notice the word flesh and blood. Important there. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. The devil is a defeated foe. Now look at verse 15, and this is so apropos for the day and time in which we live. If you turn on the news, which I would advise you not to do, but if you're stubborn and you do it anyway, I just want to see the weather. They're going to tease you and tease you and tease you, and they're going to show the weather last thing, because that's, they know that's the only reason you tuned in. It wasn't so that you could be spoon fed that narrative that they you know put on a plate every night and I'm not going to get off on that but if you watch the news what is it? COVID, COVID, COVID COVID, 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 COVID COVID, COVID vaccine, 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 vaccine vaccine, COVID, COVID, COVID fear, fear, fear COVID's real, I've got friends that have died from it, friends uh, that that are struggling with it now some of my partners, uh, clergy my my colleagues in ministry it's a real thing But why does this COVID thing seem to have a death stranglehold on our society because he says in verse 15 here who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage we went to Matthews yesterday bad idea bad idea I used to live up that way <clears throat> and I don't see how I did it now. I've gotten adjusted to country living. But we went to Costco to get gas, and we waited in line for Lord knows how long we waited to get some of that cheap gas. I'd have been better off to have bought it in Marshville and paid, it, you know, whatever. The dude's gouging, you know, another sermon for another time. <clears throat> but you could see and L'Oreal bear this out. You could see in people's faces the fear everywhere. It was almost tangible. You could see the fear in all the places we were going. People looking at each other with suspicious eyes. Have you or have you not been vaccinated? Are you wearing one or two masks like Brother Fauci says we're to do? Does any of it work? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm a preacher. But I see the fear. Why are people so in fear? It's because of death. And they think this is all there is. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll pick up some steam here. Let's go to the next slide. By the way, Sam and Willie are doing a great job, and Tyler does too. Appreciate these guys. They don't want any attention, but... It's a thankless job. If they get it wrong, everybody looks at them with like they want to you know, throw a dart at them. But thank you for serving faithfully up there. And it's hot up there, too, and the, the air doesn't circulate. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, we're going to get to, uh, oh, yeah, we quoted from the Psalms already. Let's go on to the next slide. My bad. The, the, the last part of this text is ad hominem. Remarks. That's a Latin phrase, by the way. Would you like to know what it means? Ad hominem means you're attacking not the position they're holding, but, but the person themselves. You're, you're, you're arguing not with the position they're holding, but with the people themselves. Paul's already destroyed the argument. He's already destroyed the argument. He's gone through all the implications, right? If Jesus didn't come out of the grave, we're all a bunch of dummies. We're liars. We're false witnesses. Everybody's lost. We ought to be on the golf course. He's got. He's gone through all of the arguments. Now he's going to deal with the the uh, the uh, ethical implications of the Corinthians themselves. All right. Help me, Jesus. Verse twenty nine. Else, what shall they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Now, there's about forty different theories as to what this means. And none of the scholars agree. Here's what they do agree on. That it was some kind of a vicarious baptism they were doing on behalf you know, of someone else. Paul does not affirm it or, or you know, attack it or whatever. We know that Paul did not believe that the way to get saved was to get in the baptismal pool. We know that. We baptize believers that's the practice. That's the practice of the Baptist church. That's how we do it. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to baptize a baby cuz a baby doesn't believe. Now, I know the I believe babies will go to heaven. That's another sermon for another time. I baptize believers. I think that's biblical. I stand on biblical ground here. So, the important thing to note here is that it's a vicarious death and it's not something that Paul practiced. Notice the pronouns. He said, "Why do they do it?" You know, Why are they doing it? He didn't say, why do we do it? Paul didn't buy into that. All right. Next verse, verse 30. Why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Verse 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, I die daily. Now, he's not talking about that process of sanctification whereby we mortify our sin, you know, and we mortify our flesh. But he's, standing, he's talking about the real physical perils that he faced on a daily basis. The Apostle Paul, if you've never read about his suffering and his struggles, do yourself a favor. He talks about them in Second Corinthians to some degree, and I'm sure he didn't, uh, even that's not an exhaustive list of everything that he went through. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. He was left for dead. Uh, he had troubles in, uh, in his countrymen. He had all kinds of issues that he had to deal with. He said, look, guys, if there's no resurrection, then why am I going through all of this trouble? Why? If it's not real. Verse 32, he says, If after the manner of men I have fought with the beasts of Ephesus, what does it advantage me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die by the way that's the mantra of the world you only live once just you know be happy i hear people say that all the all the time well you just need to be happy maybe you've said that to somebody life is too short be happy that's pagan philosophy that's not biblical christianity now the beast at ephesus it, it's not likely that paul was thrown in the arena with a wild beast Uh, Number one, people don't survive that. I know Russell Crowe did in Gladiator, but normally that's not how it works. (laughs) It feeds you to the wild beast and you were going to be supper for for the animal. But he's talking about people. We talked about heart disease and COVID-19. The greatest threat to the human race is not COVID-19. The greatest threat to the human race is humans. (laughs) We, We are the greatest threat. Paul wrestled with the beast. He said, what does it profit me? Why am I going through all of this difficulty? Why don't I just say, hey, it's time to take a vacation. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. It's all hopeless. Then Paul quotes a Greek philosopher. <laughs> Verse 33, he says, do not be deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Uh, it's, it's, it's an old Greek philosopher, a Greek poet, and his name, and we practiced, Lori and I practiced saying it together Friday afternoon. I was listening to it. She said, What are you listening to? His name is Menander. Let's all say that together Menander. Kind of rhymes with banana. <laughs> Menander. Menander said, Good, excuse me, bad company corrupts good character. That's the truth. See, he was quoting secular literature. But it contained biblical truth. You know what I found to be true? In my life, listen to me closely. This is going to be one of those where the rubber hits the road. Be careful who you hang out with. I can look at various times in my own life, in the life of my friends, in the life of church people, in the life of my own family. Whenever somebody starts going astray, Getting off the path, the right path. There's almost always an ungodly influence there somewhere, right? Am am I preaching the truth? There's a friend, there's a friend, or a lover that holds some position of influence in that person's life, and all of a sudden you start hearing things come out of a person's mouth, and you say, "Wait a minute, that don't sound like you." Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you find out that person of influence in their life has been feeding them philosophies that don't line up with the Word of God. Evil communications corrupt good manners. If I could say it this way to Christians, don't listen to every so-called preacher on TV and the radio, because they're not all preaching the truth. We're not sure who had influenced the Corinthians, whether it was the Epicureans or the Stoics, Or maybe it was some of those uh, Judaizers. Remember the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They were uh, the aristocrats. But notice what he says to them in verse 34. This is the last verse of today's message from this text. He says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Sober up and stop sinning, he says. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I want you to see what you believe. There's always a link between doctrine and ethics. Always a link between doctrine and ethics. What you believe will eventually work itself out or flesh itself out in how you behave. And notice the Corinthians in particular they had a lot of sin issues did they not they did i'll go ahead and tell you they did they had a lot of sin issues i wonder if part of their problem was they had such a skewed theology they didn't understand remember paul had to remind the corinthians guys you can't do whatever you want to do you've been bought with a price glorify god in your body and in your spirit Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's because they have been so influenced by either these false teachers or the Greek philosophers of their day. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful who you associate with. Because as surely as God will bring a person in your life, the devil will bring somebody in your life in a heartbeat. The parable of the wheat and the tares shows that. Wherever God is at work planning, the enemy is sowing tares among the wheat. He'll bring people in a church. He'll bring people to a church to cause trouble. I've seen it firsthand. And we, th- we always say, praise God for this new person who started coming to the church. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe they left their other church because they were causing trouble at that other church. And they've come here to do the same thing. It won't fly here. As your pastor, I tell you, it won't fly here. I got all the patience in the world for folks who are struggling with discouragement, sin issues, addictions, habits, whatnot. I got all the patience in the world. I got zero tolerance for troublemakers who come in and want to start trouble and gossip and backbite. We will discipline you. I say we, me and the plurality of leaders here, the deacons, the elders of this church. We will do that. Now, we'll do it lovingly, but we'll do it. That's biblical truth. That's biblical Christianity. Wake up and stop sinning. One more slide, I think. Here's the deal, guys. Everybody's going to be resurrected. In their own order. This is Old Testament and New Testament. And you can look at the scriptures for yourself. The righteous will be resurrected. And the Bible calls that the first resurrection is for saved people. But there's also another resurrection coming. And that's the second resurrection. And you don't want to be a part of that. That's the resurrection of damnation. That's when those who are in hell right now. Think about this for a moment. You know the people that have been in hell. There's people that's been in hell for 2,000 years. That's a long time. But, But their best days are behind them. Because they're going to leave hell and be cast into the lake of fire the scripture says and I put up a little cliche here you have probably heard it feel free to use it it didn't originate with me (laughs) if you're born once you die twice but if like Christ told Nicodemus if you're born again you only have to die once and maybe just maybe just maybe you and I will be alive and we'll get to that at the latter part of this chapter when Paul says, uh, Behold, I show you a mystery. That's why Jesus didn't talk about the rapture in the Gospels. People get confused. Why didn't Jesus talk about the rapture? He's talking about tribulation. It's because it was a mystery. when It wasn't a mystery to Jesus. But it was a mystery when Christ was on the earth. But what is a mystery? Something that had not been revealed up until now. Paul says to the Corinthians, Behold, I show you a mystery. We'll, we shall not all sleep. That, that's a euphemism for death. But we'll be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. The Greek literally reads like this, in an atom of time. People say, I'm afraid of the rapture. Is the rapture going to hurt? No. Nope. It doesn't say in the blinking of an eye, in the twinkle of an eye. In an atom of time. It'll be like, oh, what just happened? You say, yeah, Henry, I believe that's going to happen at the last day, just like, just like Mary and Martha at the tomb of Lazarus. Well, Lord, yeah, I believe all that stuff. And I know one day in the sweet by and by, like we sing about in the hymn book, one day we'll experience resurrection. But right now, Jesus said to Mary, Martha, he said, You don't understand, ladies. I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe on him now, you have eternal life. One day you'll have a glorified body. I'm looking forward to that. My knee's giving me a fit today. I think the Lord just wanted me to appreciate the resurrection today. My knee's been giving me a fit. But one day, no more pain. No more sickness. But even now, even now, the resurrection has already started. Christ is the first fruits. But we, our resurrection is certain. It's going to happen just as sure as the sun rises. And you and I have already entered into that new reality. Paul said to the Corinthians this too. He said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're a believer, you've entered into a whole new realm. A whole new world is that old Disney song sang. You've entered into a whole new world going to be better than that of aladdin <laughs> would you stand thank you for your patience with the word of god this morning but the word of god is good and it will change your life you may be here today you've never received jesus christ as your lord and savior you've only been born one time and if you were to die today your death would not be the end of your existence. You would spend the next thousand plus years in hell. And wake up and be sentenced to the lake of fire. Judged according to every little thing you've done. Jesus said for every idle word. Men will give an account of judgment. Every thought, every deed, every impure act. But. You don't have to go there. The way of escape has been made. The way of righteousness has been set forth. The plan of salvation includes you. God's not against you. God is for you. See? God has already demonstrated his love for you in that while you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But he didn't just die. He rose again. And the scripture says that if you believe that in your heart, and you confess that with your mouth, and you, you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, you too will be saved. You may have some issue in your life today that needs resurrection power. Whatever you're facing, God is the raiser of the dead. Would you come?